Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Today's podcast is sponsored by one of our favorite products, Almond Cow. We've been using it for well over a year, and I say we, mostly my husband, Mark, who is mooing. Honey, what are your thoughts about Almond Cow? (laughs) This is the moo man. He's back. (laughs) I love the Almond Cow because we know how great it is. Anything that you can make a plant-based milk with, you're set. And I just have it. I don't need to make make that much. It's just sitting in the pantry. And then when we're ready, I just make it. It takes a minute. Because it, it tastes so good. It tastes so good. And for those of you who are thinking about it, let me tell you why. There, there are no added preservatives, any kind of artificial stuff. You put in it what you want. You can sweeten it to your taste. It is so easy to make, so easy to clean up. And it's pure gold. It really is. And they give you a lot of recipes on the Almond Cow website. You have the recipe, so you don't have to think, you don't have to go anywhere to find it. It's there for you. Yes, we love it so much. So if you're interested in getting your own, go check out the link or just go to their site, almondcow.co, and you can use code Lara, L-A-R-A, for extra savings. Go get yourself one and have fun. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer with joy, with dedication, with love. I am joined as always by my gorgeous co-host, Kristen Williams. Hey, Laura. Hey, everybody. All hey, right. Hey. With joy. I love that. All right. Let's answer our first question here with joy. From This question came from our friend, Julie Miller, Aussie Down Under. Uh, she says, um, she has a question about a long-term acquaintance who has told her she has adrenal fatigue. She confided that long-term stress and life has brought this on. She's approximately 60 years of age. Any suggestions? I would dearly love to help her and wonder if you, what you and Laura might suggest. 
Does she need to get on top of her, of her fatigue before we might be able to do some gentle lit yoga? Anything specific you can suggest, she is under medical and naturopathic treatment. Uh, she previously had been exercising, unsure what she was doing, but hasn't done anything for quite a while. And so, you know, for pe people who don't know, you know, what adrenal fatigue is, it's actually, I don't know that it's an accepted, you know, accepted medical diagnosis per se, but um, it is kind of a, it's very similar to a fibromyalgia or, a, you know, this kind of nonspecific um, autoimmune response to stress and sometimes even in response to adrenal insufficiency. And so, you know, if, if, if you have someone, you know, I think this is, would be more common with someone who say has, has kidney disease or has um, had a, a kidney removed, they really want to protect, you know, the one kidney left that it doesn't get overused. And, and, and then you start suffering, you know, some, some symptoms from insufficiency. And, you know, uh, some of the symptoms are, are fatigue, you know, just kind of uh, sleeplessness, nervousness, um, a lot of the same symptoms that we see in people who have these nondescript autoimmune fibromyalgia type uh, diagnoses. Um, you know, so I guess, you know, my initial answer to that would be, and the first thing I looked up, I'll be honest, I pulled out my phone, I Googled, are there contraindications to adrenal fatigue? You know, that is something that as a physical therapist, as any type of a medical professional, this is not my specialty. So the very first thing I always do if something's not in my wheelhouse that I know back and forth is I, I look up to see. I don't want to give the wrong information. Um, and so, you know, there aren't any direct contraindications except for the same ones that you would have for someone who say, like, both of my parents only have one kidney. My father donated his to his brother. And then my mom had one taken out because she had a small you know, cancerous tumor in it. So they have a matching set between the two of them. We kind of joke about that. But, you know, neither one of them take Advil. They take Tylenol because there are certain medications that put more stress, really medication, period, puts more stress on your kidney and your livers uh, and your liver because, you know, those are our, our, our organs that are kind of constantly cleansing, um, you know, the body of what comes into it. So, you know, that would be my first thing that I may suggest to somebody if they said I'm suffering from this, you know, like, what are you putting into your body? Um, and, you know, what, how can we be a little bit more clean? But, you know, Julie was asking directly about, um, you know, exercise and, and lit. And I personally, you know, knowing that stress, cortisol, is something that could aggravate this or bring on these type symptoms, I mean, we, I see my own body, but we absolutely see across the board that, you know, exercise, even if it starts off gentle, can decrease stress. I mean, it's been shown. So I think there's a fear factor because they're tired. So there's a fear of getting more tired. But, you know, I think just what Julie said, starting gentle, um, listening to the body the same way I would work with someone who say has MS or, you know, where we, these autoimmune diseases, we really have to listen to the body. I think, um, the body can get a little dis you know, dysregulated. I think from some of the, uh, 
signals that it sends to the brain. So is the fatigue really fatigue or can we push it just a little bit? But we want to be mindful of the fact that, um, you know, we want to listen. And it's never going to be no pain, no gain. It's never going to be work harder, you know, work smarter, not harder, I think is true. But, you know, um, I would start her absolutely on some just gentle lit yoga, the reset, um, you know, getting good posture is going, you know, finding good posture is going to decrease stress in the body. Um, movement. I always feel better after I practice. Not mm. absolutely 100% of the time after I do my lit practice, I feel better in my whole body. Even if it's a gentler, my stretch class is, is, is something that, you know, people will kind of, they show up because they feel good afterwards. We feel good with movement. Movement, we feel energized with movement. But there is this fine line to walk when you're dealing with someone who is having more of an autoimmune slash, you know, um, stress-related, uh, I wouldn't call it diagnosis, but symptoms. Laura, what else do you have to add up to this? Well, the first thing, just um, really piggybacking with, off of what you said, and I think this is actually important, is that it isn't actually a a diagnosis that is accepted. I mean, Harvard Health uh, said this is not a diagnosis, that's, but it's being given. That Let's look at that as a good thing, because that means that we aren't going to be stuck in some kind of diagnosis where, you know, the adrenal glands sit on top of the kidneys and they release these um, different hormones, including cortisol. So what it's basically saying with adrenal fatigue is that the, there's just been an, an abundance of cortisol release that just causes this uh, stress and, and fatigue. And I think that if you are diagnosed with it, I imagine that makes you feel more fatigued, right? Like that's where a diagnosis could actually, so I'm saying that's why it's actually good that it's not a diagnosis, uh, an accepted medical diagnosis, because um, I think it diagnoses can help us understand something that's happening, but they can also really limit us. And cause and stress. It, yes, right? So, this, you're, so it isn't to say your symptoms are not real. You feel tired. You feel drained. She said she's 60. I mean, this is perimenopause to menopause. All these changes in your um, hormones affect the other hormones. So if you're having imbalances in your testosterone, your estrogen, your progesterone, that's also going to impact your cortisol. So it, she's seeing a naturopath. That's great. They're probably looking at that. But if they're not already looking at that, they, she definitely needs to check those hormones to see if there's any kind of way to balance those out. And then to your point, if we know that it there is a fatigue caused by excessive or purported excessive cortisol, movement, unless you're doing like, you know, they say cortisol isn't really increasing with exercise except for people who are working too hard or for too long. Say endurance athletes actually do get a lot more stress and they get it's a cellular stress. So it is hard on their it's hard on their bodies, but it's hard on their cellular um, environment as well. Other than that, that's not what we're doing here. We're not we're not going for a 60 mile run. Um, you're moving your body, you're breathing better, you're um, mobilizing tissue, freeing up fascia, improving postural um, dynamic and static uh, posture, which is super important for 
everything, your, your lymphatics, your breathing, all the things that are going to help you recalibrate. But you can do small doses, you know. Um, I think the best advice right off the bat is that don't fear movement. Know that movement is actually going to make you feel better. It's hard to feel that when you're exhausted um, and you don't know why and, you, and you're but if you do gentle movement, it, it really will help that recalibration. That's that's the best advice I, I, I can give. And also don't get too locked into this thing that you've been diagnosed with because I feel like that um, can really be prevent people from, you know, mentally moving beyond it. I agree. All right. Next question. Let's yeah. see. It'll come from... You want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. This is from Sun and Salads. What is the that? yeah? What is the clunk in one hip that sometimes happens while doing ab work lying on our on the back? Uh, you want to start with yeah, that? Well, yeah, I mean, I I can certainly speak to my own my own body. I mean, especially when you feel it in your hip, um, and that happens to me, and it's usually on one side, you know, versus the other. I would suspect the ab work she's talking about, you know, would be where she's lowering a leg say, um, you know, both legs up, we lower one halfway, a third of the way, um, and you hear or feel, and both, a clunk in the hip. You know, a, I think what a lot of times that is, is a lack of core integration. And so we're allowing the pelvis to move, and the pelvis is the socket for the hip. And we've got a lot of our, our, our hip musculature the psoas in particular, the iliopsoas, but the tendon kind of goes right over a little bony prominence there in the front of the hip. And you can get, that's what people get with snapping hip. But, you know, when you're lowering and I think you're on the ground, it can sound a lot more like a clunk and it's just, it's like a shift. Um, I have found 100% of the time in my own body, when that happens, if I tighten down into my transversus abdominis and I really focus on that lowering, it does not happen. It is a sure sign of me just getting a little body lazy in my in my core. I let my 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 back lift up. Um, my my pelvis is tilting. So if you can stabilize the pelvis, which is the socket, by way of your, you know, maintaining a nice neutral pelvis and my a nice neutral spine, Try lowering that leg and see if it doesn't resolve because while you feel it in the hip, I don't think in most cases it is a hip issue. Now, do why does it happen on one side versus the other? I mean, I think I have imbalances in my body. I, I, may, I can feel it. I know I have imbalances where my obliques are just weaker. And by weaker, I, I mean, there's a neurological weakness. Like I have to on one side be like, look at them. Come on, dude, let's go. They just don't. And that's postural. That's something I do throughout the day. The way I sit, I tend to favor one side. We all do it unless we focus on not doing it. So we have these imbalances, which is why for me, it's my left hip, my left hip. I go to occasionally the right, but I would say 90% of the time my left hip, I'll go to lower. If I'm distracted, if I'm being lazy in my core, I will cloak. I mean, and it can be almost embarrassing. You're like, geez, you know, if you're at a class, so my advice to be to sun and salads is try tightening into the core and see if that doesn't do it. Laura, what else do you have to add to that? 
Uh, that's exactly it. I mean, we think of the limbs, which is your upper body, your arms and your, your legs, as, as movers, as locomotors, but they require this lever to move well because, you know, when you have a lever and a stability, a kind of a leverage point, um, you can move well and and hold on to your energy and, and, you know, have that controlled mechanism. And then if you're doing this like running or something like that where you're moving the hip, you, you control it. It's the same thing. It's just that you've gone from vertical to now horizontal. And then you have gravitational forces on that long lever of the, the leg. But go to where the leverage point is, which is your pelvis. So focus on the sacrum staying steady, lowering the leg, but also simultaneously feeling like you're pulling that limb deeper into the pelvis to um, give that leverage of the entire pelvis um, more stability. And like you said, KB, it, it, use it as a way of like, hopefully it doesn't happen, but if it does happen, just re you know, establish and organized all the core musculature that will help the 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 thoracopelvic cylinder, your rib cage and your pelvis stay really stable. And you don't have to lower it as much until you really can feel that. And um, but uh, the big thing is like you're pulling on a stocking, pull that femur deeper to stabilize its position in the pelvis as it moves. Um, we get a lot, you know, whether it's like in dolphin and you have a leg up and then you're thinking about forearm balance, we get really uh, focused on the, the distal end, which is your foot. And really we need to focus on the proximal end. And that if you focus on it there, it becomes easier, you know, at, when you turn your shape around and you have different types of gravity, gravitational forces, but you're going to have that feeling of real consolidation in center. And, and it's just, that's what makes it feel so light and joyful yeah so it's give that true. a shot an aha moment when you when you figure that out when you figure mm. out how to move from the center um it's like oh my goodness yeah. what a game changer and so yeah in our abs it's the same yeah we're just in a different position the same idea great yep. great questions i know she's not alone i'm mm -hmm. right there with her i feel it and i'm, I'm like shame on you Kristen. Yeah. pay attention you know <laughs> be compassionate wake it up baby yeah exactly yeah, yeah. But, all right we have a question here from um, Lit Practitioner and our friend Michelle Ray. She wrote in just a quick question here. She says, do you know how to release a contracted side oblique? It seems one has learned to hold very strongly and is only convinced to relax via exercises. So, Laura, do you want to kick off that one? Yeah, sure. So we have two sets of obliques. Um one external and one internal. The internal are more internal. They're deeper. And so I'm I'm probably assuming that you're meaning the external ones, which I think are more obvious. And uh, that it, that a lot of people can grip with them on one side. They can, it could be just a habitual stance where that side is more compressed. So the first thing I would always say is like, let's look at your posture in sitting and in dynamic movement and what is your tendency on that one side is it to be compressed and is it coming is it the obliques and they're just trying to stabilize the ribs because the you know glutes aren't performing well and you're kind of hanging on so it could be above and below that are that are causing the obliques to want to be a little bit more grippy um so that's what i would look at is is really 
how you're holding yourself and moving in space. You want to feel that. I taught a class and it's called Stack and Grow. And it's like the little uh, kid toy that has the you know big circle and the little circle and you stack in this bowl. And that's, we think about the pelvis is the bottom. It's the largest. But then the, we come above that and the ribs are really important and how they stack. But you've got to look at like the position of your pelvis. That's going to really influence your thorax and vice versa. So you might feel like maybe your pelvis is doing fine, but maybe your neck is not so much when your ribs are impacted. It's all connected. And often when we get a kind of shortening, a gripping, a more contraction on one side, it's, it's, it's because of a, some kind of habitual movement or sitting position. It could be from the shoulder, you know, like when somebody says they've got a slopey shoulder, you can't just look at like, oh, that must mean that they're weak there. It, it could be that they're that that's compressed on that side and they need they do need more scapula strengthening and that'll help the obliques because they're probably doing that either because they're just positioned to do it or they're trying to do something because other things aren't coming into play as much. I don't know if that really answers it, but I, I just the best thing to do is know that this takes time, repetition, awareness. We want ultimately these things to become subconscious, just like our suboptimal habits are subconscious. We want our better optimal habits to become subconscious. But until we're there, you need to check in. You need to like use your hands. The other thing to do is look at your QL, because if your QL, that's your quadratus lumborum, there's one on each side. It attaches from the pelvis to the lower ribs and back. If it's shortened, it will also cause some compression in the ribs that might make that those obliques feel like they're being um, sticky or stuck. So look below, look above, and then look in between, like literally like how everything is functionally stabilizing this, this cylinder, the stacking, as you're moving through space. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I was just talking about that in the, the last question about how I have one side that I have to like stare at. And it's you know, I see it. And it, this is where kind of talking about the, the subconscious versus the conscious. What I love about lit is we talk about this stuff. And, and what I love about yoga is it's everything's done on both sides. So you can always compare your body every single day. And then we talk about it in a very, I think, layman's body educating way to where I found myself looking at my own body throughout the day and I've picked up on habits that I have. And so I make a conscious effort to change my habits that over time, it's much like you said, it's much more subconscious where I just kind of, I go into a more central balanced position because I no longer go into that old habit because I've consciously changed it. Um, but in the short term, you know, Michelle, if you can, you know, work on, and I, I don't know if you're talking about yourself or somebody else, but absolutely what Laura's talking about. Look at yourself throughout the day. Look at yourself on your mat, you know, like if you find that one airplane feels off, you know, kind of square your pelvis there to make the, the hip on that side. Might be lazy, you know, you're kind of opening up into your airplane because maybe it's the hip that's weak. Maybe it's the adductor on one side is is tight. You know, it's, there's it is. It's look above, look below, and look at it. To to me, this is like fun. Now, maybe I'm geeky like that, where <laughs> biomechanics are fun to me. I get 
I get kind of excited when I find an asymmetry. I'm like, ooh, how can I fix this? Mm -hmm. So have fun with that and then use some of kind of like I was talking about. Look at it. Put your hand on it to help it help. Maybe it not on it to release. Put your hand on the other side to contract. You know, are you underperforming on the other side, which kind of what Laura was talking about, it will it will shorten if the QL is tight, but maybe the other side just like on holiday. And if you put your hand on the other side, you'll find that that will help to dynamically stretch that shortened side. And if you're all looking at me on YouTube, I'm putting air quotes around shortened because I don't know that things really ever get I mean, they do after prolonged. Let's say if you've been in a cast, yes, things will shorten. But in our bodies, uh, if you have scoliosis, yes, things can be shortened. But many times it is a functional shortening, meaning if you actively contract, you can come right out of it. So look to the other side. See if you can't encourage the, uh, the opposite oblique to, to work, to shorten a bit, and to open up that side. Um, one more thing I'll add, um, just because we said below and above, but go all the way down to the feet as well. Like, what are you wearing? Are you wearing even something with a little heel that displaces your pelvis and all the way up again, those obliques might be trying to stabilize the thorax over the pelvis. And that's their way of doing it because your pelvis isn't aligned because of your feet. What, and maybe your feet are clapped. You know, it's just, you got to look all the way down. Uh, because the position of your feet, the stability of your feet can impact the pelvis, the pelvic floor, pelvic floor um, control and dynamic stability all the way up into the rib cage and the oblique. So, um, and if you want a good stretch, I, I agree with you, strengthen the other side, but like do a little door frame yeah. hang. So nice for getting all that tissue of the lats, the QL. But including the rib cage, stretches the rib cage. So you just grab around the door frame. You don't even have to pick up your feet. You just bend the knees a little bit, depending on how tall you are. <laughs> oh, Katie you and I are tall enough to do that. I know. Uh, we can totally yeah. do it. Yeah. You can grab the side too. Yeah. But and lean and, uh, lean over, right? Really so just like, yes. Same yeah. idea. Mm -hmm. One of my very favorite good. stretches. Well, as always, thank you for these lovely questions. We accept all questions. You can ask us and you can always ask us to be anonymous. We're totally fine with that. So you can write us directly at support at lityoga.com or you can also find us on Instagram. You can direct DM us, Lara at Lara.hyman and I'm at KBWilliams99. You can also DM our Redefining Yoga podcast. Uh, if you are not a follower, check it out because that will let you know when your favorite Q&A drops. We've got amazing people on our Friday with Friends. Laura does a superb monthly motivation. Um, you know, so, you know, keep an eye on if you follow, you'll know when the next one drops. And um, yeah, shoot yeah, us and share with others, questions. share the love. As always, we really appreciate if you rate and review and subscribe to the podcast. We are our, our award-winning podcast, so we can like toot our horn and we want more people to know about us. So please do that. We're so, so appreciative and we love you. And as always, we're pulling for we're you. pulling for you. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.